When I was little, I wanted to be a traffic light at the biggest junction. I thought there was nothing more worthwhile or more respectable than directing the traffic, going from red to green and green to red in order to protect people. When I was little, I would watch my mother putting on her makeup in front of the mirror, following every movement, eyeliner, mascara, lipstick. I breathed in her perfume. I didn't know it was so fragile. I didn't know that things could come to an end just like that and never return. When I was eight, my mother got pregnant. They'd been trying to have another baby for ages. She'd been to the gynecologist, taken medicine and had injections. And then it finally happened. I'd studied reproduction in my encyclopedia of mammals, the uterus, ovaries, spermatozoa, and all that stuff. So I was able to ask precise questions about what was going on. The doctor had talked about an in vitro fertilization. It would have been cool to have a brother or sister made in a test tube. But in the end, they didn't need it. My mother got pregnant just when they'd given up hope. The day she had the test results, we drank champagne and raised our glasses in a toast. We couldn't tell anyone during the first three months when mothers can lose their babies. I was sure it was going to be okay. In my encyclopedias, I followed the growth of the embryo, the different stages of its development and all that. I studied the diagrams and did extra research on the internet. After a few weeks, we could tell everybody, and we began the preparations. My father moved his desk into the living room to clear the bedroom, and we bought a cot for the baby, who was going to be a girl. My mother got out my old baby clothes, and we sorted through them together and put them all neatly folded in the big lacquered chest of drawers. That summer, we went to the mountains. I remember Mummy's tummy in her red swimming costume by the side of the pool, and her long hair blowing freely in the wind, and her taking siestas under the parasol. When we got back to Paris, there were only two or three weeks to go before the birth— I thought it was incredible, imagining a baby coming out of mummy's tummy, that it could start just like that, with no warning. Even if I'd read lots of things about it in her pregnancy books, even if it could all be explained scientifically. One evening, they went to the hospital. They left me with a neighbor across the hall for the night. My father was carrying the case that we'd packed together, with little pajamas and booties and everything. You could tell they were happy. He rang very early in the morning. I had a sister. The next day, I was able to go see her sleeping beside my mother in a see-through plastic cot on wheels. I know they can send supersonic planes and rockets into space and identify a criminal from a hair or a tiny flake of skin and grow a tomato that will keep in the fridge for three weeks without getting a wrinkle and store millions of pieces of information on a tiny chip. But of everything that exists and is still evolving, there's nothing more incredible to me or more amazing than this. Chloe came out of my mother's stomach. Chloe had a mouth, a nose, hands, feet, fingers and nails. Chloe opened and closed her eyes, yawned, suckled and moved her little arms and this high precision mechanism was all my parents' work. Sometimes when I'm alone in the house, I look at those first photos. Chloe in my arms, Chloe sleeping on my mother's breast, the four of us sitting on the bed in the hospital. 
My grandmother took that one, and it's a bit wobbly, not very well framed. You can see the room in the background, the blue walls, the gifts, the boxes of chocolates. Most of all, you notice Mum's face. It's so incredibly smooth, and her smile. When I rummage in the little wooden box the photos are kept in, my heart beats like it's going to burst. Mum would go crazy if she caught me. After a few days, they came home. I loved changing Chloe, bathing her, trying to comfort her when she was crying. I rushed back from school to see them. When she started drinking from a bottle, I'd sit on the sofa with my arm propped up on a cushion and give her her evening feed. I remember you had to be careful about air bubbles and not let her drink too fast. Those moments aren't ours anymore. They're shut up in a box, buried at the back of a cupboard, out of reach. They're frozen, like on a postcard or a calendar. The colors will end up disappearing, fading. They're forbidden to our memories and our words.